Welcome to your Relationship Lovecast by True Potential, the weekly web show and podcast that explores relationships and wellness, featuring in-depth interviews with acclaimed authors, wellness experts, health influencers, and spiritual leaders so that you can create a relationship and life you love. And now your host, Andrea Corella. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Andrea Carella, and you are listening to Episode 3 of your Relationship Lovecast by True Potential. Today, we are going to be talking about happiness and how we can increase the level of joy and satisfaction in our lives and in our relationships. And who doesn't want more of that? This is so fundamentally important because sometimes going through life, we face so many challenges from parenting issues to changes in our libido to the loss of a job or even the loss of a friend or a parent. And we're constantly dealing with more and more stressors in our day-to-day environments, which can lead to disagreements and conflict with our partners and perhaps sometimes with our children. So having the skill set to master the art of happiness and making habitual choices throughout our day so that that can set a new tone and a positive attitude and mood is essential to our daily living and so that we can live a really fulfilled and satisfying life. Now, my goal for today's podcast is to provide you with various tools and strategies so you can implement them in your own life and so that you can truly see the benefits and impact not only for yourself, but also for your families that you care about the most. In order to explore this topic in more depth, I have invited Lindsay Lewis, who is a Martha Beck-trained life coach and founder of Libra Living. Now, over 1,066 people have participated in her online programs including her 30-Day Happiness Challenge. She's appeared on Breakfast Television, Urban Rush, and the cover of Wear Magazine, and is bringing smiles and joy to so many people all over the world. Welcome, Lindsay. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you, Andrea. I'm so pleased and humbled and honored to be here. I can't wait to talk more with you. Wonderful. So what led you to focusing your work on happiness specifically? One thing that I love to talk about, which is sort of like this triggering point in my life that I love to share because it's similar to experiences that other people have, particularly people who join in my happiness challenge or, or just work with me one-on-one is this, um, this moment in my life where I had you know, achieved everything that I had ever wanted to achieve. I was working as a magazine editor. I had this great office with this really nice view and had all sorts of red carpet perks, VIP treatment free clothes, free trips, all sorts of loveliness. And it was actually everything that I thought that it would be, but I realized this is not for me. And if happiness doesn't come from all of this stuff that I dreamt of, then where does it come from and how can I get some? And so that realization that, you know, I had created this life from a perspective that it was going to give me something once I got there. And then I didn't get that was huge for me. And so I started, you know, this process that so many people that I speak with and maybe some of our listeners have gone through themselves or in the middle of, of asking myself, what can I change? What more is there? Is this it or is there more? And of course I realized, yes, there is. There is so much more. And it's really about realizing that happiness comes from within. And then we get to create a life from that place rather than hoping we'll receive it from something external to us. Right. And so often we tap into or try to connect to these external forms to fill the empty void that we feel. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like what is it inside your heart and what is going on and 
really what is it at the core of you that you need most in your life that kind mm. of started you on this journey. Absolutely. That's yeah, absolutely. Great. So mm-hmm. what are some some specific strategies that you can uh, share with our listeners that guide us through that process of starting that journey of really digging deep in our heart and filling that emptiness with things that really can empower us and help us increase the happiness and joy in our in our lives. Mm, sure. So the first thing is it is a strategy, but it's also sort of the it's also the foundation of all of the strategies that come afterwards, which is the realization that in order to find what we're seeking, we need to look inward and that we have the capacity to have this deeply impacted and this deeply impactful sense of a very grounded happiness and peace in our lives. And so, and that, that comes from, that comes from within us rather than something that we might find. And that is the biggest and most important, you know, mindset shift that I needed to make within myself and that I help other people arrive at, which is to realize we have the power to change our lives and we have the power to change our experiences from within. That's the foundation of it all. And then it evolves into into strategies, and and so there's so there's so many of them, but some of the ones that I love the most are to practice this realization that we'll have so many thoughts in a day or in a moment, and that thoughts are not necessarily truths, and yet if we choose to believe them as such, it will impact how we see our a moment, a person, our life, the entire world, and. Whether or not that thought is true, we get to decide that. But it has to come from a place first of being able to see thoughts as something that we either can believe or can disbelieve if they're not serving us. So that's sort of like strategy number one. From there, we bring in the work by Byron Katie is one tool that I absolutely love that helps people to question limiting beliefs or fears or worries that are really undermining their own their potential for happiness and then turn them around so that that part of them that was then causing them so much stress or unhappiness is actually affirming their peace, their strength, their well-being and their potential to emerge into a life filled with all of that. Yeah, Walk sh- us through maybe some of those steps for our listeners that oh, maybe sure. aren't as familiar with her. Sure. Okay, so let's talk about what we can call a limiting belief. There may be somebody out there who who is having a thought, I will never be happy. You know, sometimes people are looking at their life through a lens of, I've only ever been unhappy. Bad things have only ever happened to me. I will never be happy. The Byron Katie's work is a process of four questions. And the first one is, is that true? And right away, we begin to enter into the space of realizing we get to decide whether or not it is. We get to look at a thought and and see it from a, the space of observing it rather than believing it. And so whether or not the answer is yes or no, that unfolds. The second question is, if the person says yes, can you absolutely know that that is true? Can I absolutely know that's true? Especially if I'm thinking in terms of something in the future. We are never ever actually in the future. We're only ever in this moment. We're only ever living in this present time. So can you ever absolutely know something will be true, especially about something that we are envisioning in the future? The third question is, how do you react? Who are you when you're believing that thought? And through this process, when we start to think about it, that person might say, when I am believing I will never be happy, 
I stop doing things. I stop asking myself, what can I do today that will make me happy? I don't even entertain that thought. Or there's some, my friends will call me up and say, you know, do you want to go out and do something? And I will say, no, because I just don't feel good. And, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like going out because I'm believing this thought I will never be happy. I feel stress. I feel tension in my body. I feel sad. All of which, of course, keeps that person stuck in that place. And so then we have the fourth question, which is, who would you be without that thought? And this is where, like, especially if it's the first time for somebody working with this process, it's like, wait a minute, I've never imagined that I could possibly be without it, but then they do. And they start to say, you know, maybe I would actually feel better. Maybe it's not my reality that's causing me to suffer, but the way I'm thinking about it, maybe it's this particular thought that's preventing me from being happy rather than the truth that I will never be happy. Then we go on to turn the thought around and we turn it to, you know, I can be happy or I will be happy or a variation of, there's different, different options. And we look for three pieces of evidence that prove the truth of that new thought. So we might f- say something like, well, I have actually, there was a moment in my life You know, it was only like half an hour, but I felt really good when I was out there swimming in the lake. I had a moment where I was happy. So maybe that means I can be happy again. You know, evidence number two might be, well, I really don't know what's going to happen in the future. So how can I be certain that I will never be happy? So that serves, you know, the possibility of I will be happy. And evidence number three might be something like, I feel happier right now just imagining that I might be happy. So hang on a second. Maybe actually that original thought is false and the new one is much more true. Right. And I think oftentimes even having a visualization of that or even creating a a vision board of that new reality that you're creating for yourself and planting Mm -hmm. the seeds for of that truth can also really anchor us and and draw us in as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. Yeah. And I love the example that you used of finding new evidence. So like there's a table with legs that were old legs of negative beliefs that were holding up that table. When we ask that those questions of, is it true? Is it absolutely true? How does that affect my life? All of a sudden, those legs, those old legs can start to wobble. And when mm. we ask that fourth key question of what would my life look like? How would I feel, think, and be if I didn't have that belief and I had maybe the alternative, we start and accruing the evidence is like creating new legs to that Mm -hmm. table that we're wanting to build as a foundation of our life. So absolutely. Yeah. Makes so much sense. And I love what, I love the idea of the vision board or the, or having the image because then you get the, it helps to get the, the felt sense in the body of what that will be like. And of course, vision boards are wonderful reminders as we go throughout our day of, and, and it's often a subconscious reminder of what we can create and what we are creating. And then we start to take action steps that affirm that in our life. So, yeah, Absolutely. beautiful. Yeah. So what are some of the other, other suggestions that you have? Here is another one that I actually did not understand the power of because I had heard it so many times. And that is actually integrating gratitude practices. So here's why I start, I was dismissive of it. I don't exactly know why, but what I can tell you is that when I heard that the reason, one of the reasons why it works so well is that we have two parts of our brain and the part of our brain in charge of worrying and feeling negativity, it actually can't really be dominant if the part of our brain in charge of thinking gratitude related types of thoughts and feeling gratitude related emotions 
is turned on. We can't really have one turned on if the other is turned on. And so gratitude literally has this biological unfolding in our physiology that transforms our brain, that that ignites this other part of our brain. And of course, we know that how we perceive things is what we actually believe to be true about our reality. And so all of a sudden, we're starting through this simple practice of listing in a moment when we're feeling worried or stressed or negative or unhappy, or we're listing things that we can be grateful for, all of a sudden we're starting to shift into that other part of our brain and activate that as the lens through which we're able to see our world. And, and so I started just to practice with this myself a while ago because I was like, okay, everyone keeps talking about this gratitude thing. Is it really as great as they say? And in my experience, yes. Now every day I do a, a thank you before bed. One of the benefits of turning off the worry part of your brain is you sleep better. So gratitude is a good way to help yourself sleep better too. Um, I just say a little, little thanks. Like, thanks for this. Thanks for that. If it's a really tough day, I'm like, thank you that I am still breathing. <laughs> and that it's over. <laughs> thank you that it's over. <laughs> and I have another day tomorrow. Tomorrow is a new day. Exactly. That's great. I actually recently have gotten into the, not only the intention, but the consistency of that practice. Mm. Uh, Even before I wake up out of bed, even before the alarm goes off, even before my eyes open, I just say, okay, ground myself in opening this day with the gratitude that I have in my life. Mm -hmm. And really it shifts the tone of one, how you start your day, but also the lens that you're seeing the world. And Absolutely. starting right from the get-go is is when we're the most receptive to new ways of thinking and new ways of being. Absolutely. That leads right into what I would want to share as another strategy. So new ways of thinking and new ways of being, it dovetails right into something else, which I, I teach as a fundamental. I had to learn myself, which is to live from the place of what in my framework of coaching we call the essential self versus the social self and to give ourselves permission to do that. So the social self is like that part of us. There's different, there are various ways of talking about these parts of ourselves that we have. This is one way that I love because I find it so useful. Social self, we can talk about is that part of us that really likes to work well with other people, that really likes to have other people feel happy with what we're doing and sort of makes decisions or choices based on how we imagine they'll impact other people. And the essential self is the part of us that is like, this is right and true for me. This will affirm the the happiness that is my birthright, that is the, you know, one of the great wonders of being alive. And I'm going to do this thing because of that reason. It's what lights us up. It's what lands as a yes. And so another foundational strategy, which is also a, a shift in our understanding and our, and our way of viewing our world and ourselves is to give ourselves permission to honor what's right and true for us in, you know, in all areas of our life and be able to say, okay, if something isn't a fit for me, how can I shift it so that it's a better fit? Or, and if it's absolutely not right for me, giving ourselves permission to say no, no, because What's most beautiful is like when people give the gift of themselves to the world. And we, we really can't do that if we keep on saying, I'm only, I'm going to live a life in accordance to what other people would like me to do and what other people would like me to be. Right. And I think sometimes that that can play a role into uh, relationships too, you yeah. know, being able to 
be assertive and know our limits, be able to request what we need and feel and express that openly, to be able to to discern and, and really engage in those conversations with our significant other where maybe a compromise needs to be made or a negotiation or differences of opinion and how you maneuver through that or negotiate that. How would you recommend applying some of these principles into the happiness that we experience in our relationship. I'm so glad you asked me this because this is something that's really on my mind a lot recently since I just got married in September. And so congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) So it's, it's, wonderful and lovely and great. And also, as you know, and as many of the people listening know, very challenging and triggering and brings up a lot of things. I didn't know where it was there before. So it's like, it's constant unfolding of, can I sustain what I, what I live in into our relationship? So for me, one of the biggies of bringing in these strategies into my relationship with my husband, Matt, is to recognize that what I teach and what I preach applies to him as well. So when I'm out there saying, you know, everyone deserves to be able to live and give themselves permission to be who they are and be what they are truly meant to be rather than, you know, living from the social self side of things that applies to him too. So I need to let go. And this is a constant process for me. I'm totally human. This is a constant process for me of letting go of saying, because he's my husband or because he has this role in my life, he should be this way or he should be that way or, you know, he should understand exactly what I need in this moment. I'm always in this process of going, okay, he gets to be who he is and I get to love that and honor that and let him have his space and let him be who he wants to be so that I can be who I want to be too. And then we become these two people coming together to ignite something greater. So that part is huge. It's also the flip side, me going, being able to say, all right, I know that that your, your mom would really like us to do something this way that really doesn't resonate with me, that doesn't work for me at all, I'm going to say no, have my boundaries and say, this is what's right for me. And then we talk about that. But coming from that place helps to have greater communication too, where I can say, okay, this is just how I'm feeling. I speak from my experience and I let him speak from his. And then we go from there without trying to make him get on board. We just come from a base of openness. Absolutely. And I think you bring up a point that there's kind of a distinction between, you know, being independent versus codependent versus interdependent. And Mm -hmm. kind of that distinction of codependent is you are this way and you have these needs and I need to fill those needs and it's swapping. (laughs) You fill my needs and I fill your needs Mm -hmm. and that exchange, which is like two halves. And then there is the independent where people are so whole and so separate that they're not connected. And I think being able to honor those two parts of ourselves, both our individual self as well as that interconnected self in relationship is like two links that are – there's a space of commonality, but then there's also a space of your own uniqueness. And bringing that into the relationship and honoring that is key of maintaining that balance in those conversations that sometimes can be difficult that couples face, whether it's Mm -hmm. different opinions about managing the finances or different opinions about parenting. How do we maneuver through those those rough spots? And I I think Mm -hmm. it is an ongoing challenge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a daily thing. There's always something to be aware of. (laughs) I I think the practice of of thought awareness really helps as well. I find that if I'm getting, I'm I'm irritated with him and I recognize that a lot of times if I'm feeling irritated, it's because I'm imagining that I've made it mean something. 
So I've made it mean that he doesn't care or he's not paying attention. And then I go through the process of, is that true? Right. (laughs) Can you absolutely, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. I mean, oh gosh, I'm in it again. I'm in it again. And I can laugh at myself and go, thank you, mind. Thank you. Thanks for speaking up. But Right. And then you can gather all the evidence that that actually they do care, that there are examples of that. And I'm reading uh, Brene Brown's The Mm. Gift of Imperfection right now. And it really talks about shame and vulnerability. And I think shame and insecurity are common themes that can come up in the context of relationship because sometimes it in when we're in relationship it can bring up old stuff of our parents or bring up old stuff of relationships or bring up old mm. stuff of our self-esteem and so sometimes it can be very easy for us to fall into that that pit of shame or mm-hmm. I'm not good enough or some of those challenges if we're not conscious of it and really being able to do that that work in the process. So do you have any suggestions if somebody is feeling depressed or down or feeling low self-esteem or feeling those those real deep feelings of shame? What are some ways to kind of start breaking out of those patterns and start seeing light and joy and, and happiness mm-hmm. again? The first thing that I always do with people, whether I'm on a coaching call with them or we're just chatting about it, is to say, let yourself feel what's there. Certainly, I didn't arrive at the place that I'm at now without going through some pretty long periods of time of feeling really deep-seated, low self-esteem and insecurity. And the way that I, one of the things that I did, a practice that I brought in was to let myself feel everything that I was feeling and to never try and shove away a sense of sadness or shame or or feeling like I wasn't worthy or good enough. But let me add in a bit a little caveat there. The feeling through process for me is most effective when we recognize that we can watch a feeling state move through us. And so that means that we start to tap into the part of us that is at peace. And, and as soon as we kind of go, I'm feeling this way, where do I feel it in my body? What is the physical sensation? We give ourselves not only permission to feel it, but we tap into our ability to watch it rather than resist it and try to not feel it. And then we let it come up and we let it come up and we let it come up. And depending on how deep of an impact the emotion is having on us, depending on what it's linked to, it may take more than one five-minute feeling through session in order to feel it through, but feeling it through is key. And then letting that feeling be there and getting to that place where you feel a bit more peace and then going to the process of, okay, so that's what I was feeling about it. Now, what am I thinking about it? What am I thinking about myself? What am I thinking about my life? Are those thoughts true? What might be more true using the work or any other kind of tool around that? And then, okay, so from this place of peace and this newfound perspective, how can I envision an alternate scenario? What would life or what would I feel like given the fact that I that I might have just let go or realized that some thoughts aren't serving me, but also felt through some of the emotions around it? What might else be possible? What can I envision just like you suggested? Yeah. And I think oftentimes when we're in conflict, I mean, I, I'm thinking of a disagreement that I recently had with my own fiance and mm. and kind of hearing that and then some feelings of shame coming up or discomfort. And 
it's it can happen so quickly. Our emotions can be so impulsive and reactive, and we can so we can go into one of two states. We can go into retreat, withdraw, shut down, protect mm-hmm. mode, or we can go into defense, attack protect mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. so, and it happens so quickly. And I think some of the strategies that you're suggesting are to tip the scale. So we really slow down the process and really get into a reasonable state of mind. So we can really be intentional with our words and actions, really be intentional with our internal experience emotionally and physiologically. And just sometimes we just have to give ourselves permission to, okay, I'm learning this new way of engaging Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm going to feel this through and see really what, get curious, what is this really about for me as opposed to old stuff entering into the conversation Mm -hmm. where maybe perhaps Mm -hmm. there was no intention of shame. Maybe it was just a, a dialogue from the other end. And if we spiral down without being mindful, it can spin the conversation into a conflict that maybe otherwise has no malintention. And I think that that's really something we always have to be present to. And when we're stressed Mm -hmm. out, it can be harder to be on top of that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Stress is like a huge skew in terms of how it can impact our life. I love what you said there. And I think it really touches on this aspect of taking responsibility for our reactions rather than saying, I'm feeling this way because of you. It's like, why am I feeling this way? What have I made that comment mean? What am I relating it to in terms of something that happened in the past? This is an opportunity for me to learn more about what I'm carrying into my present moment that's preventing me from being at peace or being happy. And it's all about, I can shift this from within me. It's very powerful. Right. And sometimes doing that front end work, it's short term pain because you're having to Mm -hmm. kind of feel through it, but long term gain as opposed to short term gain where you get it all out and you you dump on the other person or you blame or you, you know, throw your daggers, but then long term pain because you're destroying the foundation of the relationship. Then you have to do the repair work. And that's a very humbling process to be able to acknowledge, take responsibility and to repair. And I think so often couples don't take the time to do that. And then there's just this wound in the relationship that festers. Yeah. So well said. Yeah. It's um, definitely something we've, we've worked into our relationship as a conscious practice. Even if we only have five minutes, I'll be like, how are you doing? Have I said anything lately that's hurt you? (laughs) (laughs) Just opening the floor because I don't want that stuff to build up for us. Great. So wrapping up, being able to talk about like some some key takeaways and recapping on things that you already mentioned that we can integrate or any last minute suggestions on a a checklist or to-do list so that we can use the next 30 days to start implementing some of these strategies in our own lives and in our own relationships. Sure. So we could do it as like a a checklist or a process that arises from this foundation of happiness is within me. Happiness is within you. It's there. That's, it's just a matter of clearing the blocks to it. So all of these strategies are, are tools that help us clear what's getting in the way of the happiness that already exists. So giving ourselves permission to live from our essential self, to do what is right and true for us, to be able to feel through any sort of emotions that are coming up, letting them be there as well. And then looking and watching our thoughts, questioning the truth or the veracity of thoughts that don't serve us, and arriving at this place of greater peace. And from that place, envisioning what else might be possible. 
Absolutely. And I think really incorporating uh, gratitude, a daily gratitude in the morning and in the in the evening is key. Uh, mm-hmm. Challenging some of those negative beliefs, being mindful, mm-hmm. um, being able to be connected with our with our body and with our emotions and letting our, us kind of ride the waves, the ups and downs of that. And, you know, the the checklist of those four questions from Byron Katie's work to really start doing that internal thought belief challenge to start reframing things. And it looks like also the vision board to be able to create something of that nature. Anything else that you'd like to add that we didn't cover that would be important for our audience to to know as they implement this into their own lives going forward? Sure. You know, what's first coming up for me is just, I just want to say to everyone who's listening, gather your support team. Even if you don't have people who you know of personally who are on the same track as you or or thinking they want to live in this particular way, gather people who you might have imaginary conversations with, people who resonate with you in terms of they're going to say, yeah, keep going. It's worth it. You got this. You're destined for happiness. Who can you pull into like a what we might call a hall of champions to support you along this path? Absolutely. And I think when we're trying to be our most authentic selves, whether it be in our own lives or in our relationships, I think having that community of people that you can trust and that can really be a support to you is is key to your personal growth and kind of eliminating those naysayers or those mm-hmm. pessimists and really honing in. And sometimes you just need one other person that is yep. a support, support member of your team that can help propel you forward in this joy-filled, fully satisfying life that you're trying to create for yourself and being each other's support in that accountability partnership. Mm, Yeah, well said. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed uh, having you and engaging this conversation with you. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be here. I enjoyed it too. Absolutely. And for our audience, I hope that you have found this podcast as enjoyable as I did and engaging in this conversation. I will provide you with a list of some of the links as well as Lindsay Lewis's contact information on the show notes, as well as some other links and resources that we've mentioned on the show. You can access that at www.truepotentialcounseling.com. And if If you like this podcast, if you could please leave a review so I can have more impact and reach more people throughout the world. It would really mean so much to me if you could take the time to visit truepotentialcounseling.com forward slash review, and it will take you directly to the iTunes page where you can leave a review. We have some amazing guests coming up from Nisha Moodley, an expert of overcoming addictions and living a fierce, fabulous, and free life, to Alyssa Viti, who is a specialist on male and female hormones and how to get back into balance in your own life. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Lovecast by True Potential at www.truepotentialcounseling.com. 